Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a five-week teaching series called How to Change Your Relationships, and we're learning that we change our relationships by changing ourselves. Thanks for joining us. If you're wondering about the glasses, let's just say one month into this job and I'm aging significantly. <laughs> now, if you're just joining us, we're in week four of a series that we have called How to Change Your Relationships. And in this series, We've been talking about the best way to change our relationships is by changing ourselves. And so we've talked about how to change our wives, how to change our husbands. And then last week, Brian talked about how to change our kids. Now, I was just thinking about it. I imagine many of you have probably heard messages or read books about all three of those different subjects. In fact, let's just do a little audience participation here right now. How many of you have ever read a book on marriage? Raise your hand. A lot of you. How many of you have ever read a book on raising kids or parenting? Still a lot of you. How many have read a book on how to get along with your parents? Kids? Anybody? (laughs) And then last, how many of you have ever read a book, gone to a conference on friendships? Nobody. Well, a couple of you. That's good. I find that so interesting because honestly, Friendships are one of the most important relationships that we have in life. In fact, I would bet if you did a survey on whether people were satisfied with their church, any church, it would come down to two things, the quality of the services on Sunday and the amount of people you've been able to connect with on a friendship level. Friendships are a huge Deal. I mean, I was thinking about this. Think about some of the most popular sitcoms in the last couple of decades. I'm not recommending you go watch all of them, but what do you think immediately, right? Seinfeld, Cheers, Friends, The Office, Big Bang Theory. What do they all have in common? They're all about these group of friends, often very dysfunctional friends, which is why we laugh, gathered together doing life together. They're all about groups of friends. These shows show us how important friendships are. And so, listen, whether you're married or single in this room today, if you're following on your notes, here's the reason we're talking about this today. Meaningful friendships are vital for a meaningful life. Think about this. Neither Paul nor Jesus were married, and yet they lived incredibly rich lives because they knew the importance of friendships and they surrounded themselves with them. And yet what we're discovering today, social scientists are discovering, we live in a day and age where finding these kind of friends has become more and more difficult. There's a lot of reasons for this. I've narrowed it down to three. Number one is we have become a much more mobile culture. In other words, in the past, it was very rare for a family to move. Today, it's not uncommon for somebody to move three to four times in their lifetime. A second reason for this is that family life requires so much more time today than it did before. Our families are filled with all kinds of activities, especially for our kids. I mean, we're busy every night of the week, including on weekends. I mean, when, when I was a kid, I'd get home from school and I'd go play until my parents called me to come home for dinner. That was literally every day of my life. And then not, not last but least, technology. Specifically, social media. Technology can do amazing things. It can definitely help us connect, but they're learning that can also hurt our relationships because things like social media aren't good at giving us real friends. In fact, I did some research on this week. It shows that not only does social media cause greater anxiety and worse sleep, 
It also decreases our capacity to have meaningful friendships. Literally, they do a study on our brains and the thing our brain needs when it comes to friendships isn't fulfilled when we're online with our online friends. We need to make meaningful face-to-face relationships to give our brains what they need. And so today I want to talk about friendships, specifically in light of the series we're in this morning, how do we change our friendships? And thankfully, God's word is full of all kinds of great wisdom when it comes to this issue, especially in the book of Proverbs. And I'm just going to remind you right up front, just as we've talked about throughout this series, here's the big idea. We change our friendships by changing ourselves. Or if you're following on your notes, we develop good friendships by becoming good friends. And so this morning, I want to take some time with God's word to talk about two things. Number one, what does the Bible say about the importance of friendships? And then number two, what does Proverbs say about what a godly friend looks like and how we can become those kind of friends? Now, normally at this point, I would ask you to take your Bible and turn to a specific passage. But if you know anything about the the Proverbs, they're not organized topically. In other words, I can't ask you to turn to the topic of friendship in Proverbs because Those verses are scattered all throughout. So this may be the only time I ever say this, but today we're going to use the screen as we go about looking at the different verses that teach us about friendships. And where I want to start with you this morning is in chapter 13, verse 20, which I actually have on your notes there. We're talking about the importance of friendships. Let's read what Solomon writes here. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, what does that mean? Maybe I could illustrate it uh, with a personal story. Uh, many of you know that when, we were, when I was in fourth grade, we moved from Minnesota to California, and that was a very difficult move for me personally. We ended up in a neighborhood where the kids weren't very nice to me, and I started going down this dark hole of loneliness, depression, anger, until one night I went to this youth group and I met a guy named David Lang. And I can honestly say it is by God's grace that he put David Lang in my life. I really do not know where I would have ended up if God hadn't given me a godly friend to help me through this experience. One chapter back in Proverbs 12, 26, we can see this on the screen. It says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. What are these two verses telling us? If you're following on your notes, your choice of friends will determine your path of life. Listen, when God talks about friends in his word, he goes so far as to say, your life's outcome will be determined really significantly on the kind of people you surround yourself with. Some people think that's too extreme. I don't think it's too extreme. As I think about some of the people in the Bible who did phenomenal things for the Lord, think about the people they had in their lives encouraging them and helping them on their path. Moses had Jethro and Aaron. Esther had Mordecai. Daniel had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The list goes on. Joshua had Caleb. Ruth had Naomi. None of these people could have done the phenomenal things they did without the encouragement of some friends in their lives. Think of the New Testament. Paul had Silas and Timothy and Barnabas. Peter had John. John had Peter. Jesus himself chose 12 companions. And did you know within those 12, he had three close, deep, personal friends that helped him in his journey. 
I love Jesus' example too in Mark 6. Remember when Jesus sends out the 12 to start to do ministry on their own? What does he do? Does he send them out alone? No, he sends them out in pairs, two by two. Why would he do that? Because I think Jesus understands the power found in a friendship that can't be found anywhere else. Friends, what these Proverbs are teaching us is simply this. Again, if you're following on your notes, if we want to follow Jesus fully, we cannot do it alone. Now today, I think naturally, women probably understand this sooner than men. In fact, they probably make friends easier than men. But guys, this applies to you as well. You can't be the person God has called you to be unless beyond your wife, beyond your husband, you have some significant friendships. It's essential for who we're going to become. How essential is it? I mentioned I did some research this week. I was really interested in this topic. I found three really crazy statistics in some of the research that's done. Number one, the quality of your friendships that you develop in adolescence, listen, will directly predict aspects of long-term mental and emotional health. Some conjecture that this is perhaps one of the reasons, along with COVID, why there is more loneliness and depression in our culture than ever before. Why? Well, there's a lot less face-to-face kind of relationships. There's a lot more face-to-screen kind of relationships. Number two, I could not believe this. Your body's cardiovascular functioning, your immune system, and how you sleep are all increased by the quality of your friendships. And then number three, on the famous study of what it means to be happy, what, do you, what does it take to be happy? Did you know the number one thing was good quality friends? And yet, in other studies that are being done, they're finding that people today in the 21st century have less quality friendships than any generation that has come before. Friendships are crucial. So let me ask you a question this morning, because this is really the key to this whole thing. What does true godly friendship look like? And how do we find those kind of friends and become those kind of friends ourselves? Well, the book of Proverbs gives us four marks of a godly friend that we must grow in if we want to experience the kind of friendships God has in mind for us. So if you're following, the first mark of a godly friendship is that godly friends are faithful in good and bad times. Read Proverbs 17, 17 on the screen with me there, would you? It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Really what this proverb is saying, that faithful friends can be as close as a family, and the true litmus test is found when you go through hard things. Listen, Contacts in business are good. Networking is a valuable thing. Having a plethora of acquaintances and well-wishers is nice. Racking up those friends on Facebook or the followers on Twitter or TikTok, all of that's fine, but real friendship is proven in adversity. Have you ever noticed this? In times of friendship, your acquaintances tend to back away in times of hardship. But in times of hardship, your true, real, godly friends, they will stick closer to you than a brother. They will move closer to you and carry your burdens with you. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I cannot speak a message on friendship without referring to the Lord of the Rings. It's just going to happen. It's the greatest book on friendship that's ever been written. 
Hollywood made it into a romantic. It's not a romantic movie. It's about friendship. And the most important friendship in that book is between the main character, Frodo, and his friend, Sam. You see them journeying through this whole thing. And we get to the last book, The Return of the King, and Frodo is carrying this huge burden, the ring of power that he's trying to destroy. They're heading up the mountain, and he cannot take another step. He's too weighed down. And my favorite line in the whole movie, or book, I keep saying movie, Sam looks at him and says, come on, Mr. Frodo. I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. And he puts him on his back, and he heads up the mountain. What a beautiful picture. Sometimes the pressures in life become so heavy for us, we need a friend who can bear the burden with us. Amen? Nobody's life is perfect. Everybody in this room has or will go through hard times. And the word of God's challenge to us, don't go through those times alone. Have friends who are gonna be there with you, even be there for you. Sometimes those friends don't even need to say anything. They just need to be with you. A godly friend will love you at all times. Most of all, at times of adversity and hardship. Because if you're following, the love of a faithful friend is unwavering. A godly friend will always be by your side. So we ask ourselves, does that describe me? Do I run away when my friends are going through difficult times or do I run towards them to help them carry the burden they're carrying? I read that a horse, when it's hitched up to a wagon, can pull 4,000 pounds. But check this out. Did you know that if they tie another horse the same size to that wagon, they can pull together 12,000 pounds? That's the idea here, friends. This is what it means to be a real friend. To be a faithful friend means even if your life is messy, I'm coming over. I'm carrying this burden with you. Second mark of a godly friend is that godly friends are trustworthy would you look at Proverbs 17, 9 with me? It says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Now, I want to get into that a little more, but for any friendship to really work, there has to be this quality called transparency. You know what transparency is? Every one of us in this room has a public self that we project to each other, and then there's the real self that we share with very few people. And if you're following, a trustworthy friend is someone you can be your real self around with no fear. Do you have those kinds of friends? Those people who you're able to move beyond the image you want them to see of you and who know the real you. I'll let you in on a little secret. The church is terrible at this. John Eldridge, an author, once says, sometimes the church can be full of what he calls posers, where we try to project this image all the time to other people that everything is going hunky-dory in our lives when the reality is there's some deep hurt happening. People like to get by talking about the weather, the Bears finally getting a legitimate QB. I am a little bit worried about that draft. Politics, the PTA, their kids' sports, what's on sale at Target. I mean, we, we keep all these things on surface. Now listen, with a godly friend, you certainly still have those conversations, but you can also connect with them on a much deeper level. 
You can share your dreams, your hopes, your frustrations, your temptations, and yes, even your sins with them because you know what you just shared is going to remain between you and them. It will not go anywhere else. Listen, if you have that in your life, consider yourself blessed beyond measure. But you can't have that. You cannot have that unless both people have that kind of relationship. And to be trustworthy, as the second part of the verse says there is, means refusing to gossip. Refusing to break trust might be how I might want to put that. Have you ever had that happen to you? Hmm. Talk about one of the more painful things in life. I had a friend in college who I just shared some pretty vulnerable stuff with, and it got around to some of my other friends. He broke my trust, and I can say to this day, I will not trust him with something like that again. And so let me just ask you, are you a person who is trustworthy? When somebody shares something with you, are you looking for, well, maybe I could get some more popularity by sharing this with somebody else, or are you like, this stays between me and you, and I will help you through this? As I was thinking this week, I just say this real quickly, another mark of a trustworthy friend, if you're on your notes, is that you aren't in it for gain, and it isn't one-sided. Have you ever had this? where you realize, wait a minute, I'm pouring way more into this relationship than I'm getting poured into in this relationship. Sometimes it just comes down to, they haven't asked me a question in weeks. They don't really care what's going on in my life. I feel like they're trying to use me to get what they want. A real friendship is always two-sided, always. I heard a great story about Billy Graham. You know, for 50 years, he was invited to the White House uh, every year, no matter who the president was. And one of the presidents one time said, the reason he keeps getting invited back because we can tell he cares about us, not what we can do for him. That's a mark of a good friend. I care about the person, not because what they can give me, but because I genuinely love them. The third mark of a godly friend, closely related to that one, but I'm gonna say it takes it even a step further. Godly friends speak the truth even when it hurts. Have you ever noticed, like I have, I can talk myself into anything when I'm by myself? I can become blind to my own foolish thoughts and desires, and so I need somebody else to help me keep my eyes focused. Let's read Proverbs 27, 6 together on our notes out loud there. It says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What a beautiful picture that is. He got it backwards, right? Friends are the one that multiply kisses. Enemies are the ones that create wounds. And he says, no, you know you have a true friend when they're willing to tell you something in your life that you need to hear, even if it hurts you and even if it hurts them. The truth is today, we're afraid of this. We're afraid to have these kind of conversations because we think, I love that person too much to confront them, to tell them the truth. But the second part of the verse tells us that's what an enemy does. It just keeps multiplying kisses, keeps telling you everything's fine, everything's okay. Now listen, if I say to myself, oh, I love that person too much to tell them the truth, what I'm really saying is that I love myself too much. 
and what that conversation might cost me. And I'm not being a friend in the end because it's going to be hurting them in the long run, even though it might be helping me in the short term. I call this the spinach test or the zipper test. You know what I mean? Who's the person you have in your life that's going to tell you you got a big old chunk of spinach in your teeth? Who's the person that's going to tell you, uh, your zipper's down, you may not want to go out on stage right now? (laughs) Telling the truth to our friends is love. Not telling them is not love. And this proverb contrasts the phony compliments of a false friend with a friend who is willing to tell it like it is in grace, no matter how scared they might be. Because listen, can we just be honest? This is hard stuff. Who likes doing this? One of my friends a couple months ago asked if I would be willing to write out on a paper his strengths and his weaknesses. And I asked him, are you going to be reading this? He said, yes. I don't want to do it. But I did it because I love him, and I know that he appreciated it because he wants to grow. Now listen, to get to that place in a friendship, let's, let's be very clear here. The first two things that we talked about have to already be in place. You have to be a faithful friend. You have to be a trustworthy friend, and your friend has to see that in you. If you are not there, then you're not ready to tell the person the truth. I know some people who love telling people the truth. And it is not a friendly wound. It's a difficult wound. We have a saying here on staff, we've shared this before, I think, but we say something like, hey, can I share a last 10% thing with you? You know, we're willing to share 90% of the truth, but that last 10 is sometimes the most difficult. I've had several people come into my office and say that to me, and you wanna know what my first reaction is? Oh, no. I don't want to hear it. And there's definitely a wound involved when it is shared with me. But in the end, you know what I think? Wow, that person loves me enough, wants me to grow more in my character, that they're willing to put that on the line in order to help me. Godly friends are willing to tell us the truth, to push us toward God. Enemies could care less. Once again, if you're following, true friends are committed to helping us be our best. A favorite example of this in scripture is in 2 Samuel 12, when God calls the prophet Nathan. Nathan was a prophet, and I believe a friend to David, probably worked in the court with him to confront David on his sin. It wasn't a minor sin. David had committed adultery and then killed the husband of the woman so that he could marry her. He just let, lived his life on. He just went moving on, and God says, Nathan, I want you to go talk to him. Nathan, probably shaken in his boots, goes and gives one of the most amazing grace and truth displays we can see in Scripture. He tells the story of this poor little lamb who this rich person takes from this poor family and then kills the lamb for a dinner party. And Nathan is, in, excuse me, Nathan is incensed. That person should be put to death, he says. And Nathan looks at him and says, you are the man. For a year, Dathan had been surrounded by friends who were unwilling to confront him. I bet you they're standing there right now going, ooh, something's going to hit the fan. Nathan laid out his sin, the consequence of that sin, and what does David do? He repented. Why? 
because the faithful wounds of a friend can heal. I'm here to tell you this morning, every man, every man in this room needs someone who can look him in the eyes and say, you're neglecting your wife. Have you been in the word every day? Every woman in this room needs someone who can say, you need to let that go. You've been carrying that for too long. You need someone in your life. I need someone in my life who can love me enough to speak the truth to me. If you have that, it is a gift from God. I'm 44 years old, and I have to tell you, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. I just have. But if I look back over the last 25 years or so, one of God's greatest blessings for me to stay on the right path, I've had people who are willing to speak the truth to me even when it hurts me. Sometimes it's my wife. Other times it's my accountability partner. We, we meet regularly. It's not easy. It took us years to get to the point where we can look at each other and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing right now in your life. You need to get better at this. I need to challenge you with this. Sometimes it stinks, but it's worth it. So I'm just challenging you this morning. Who are you surrounding yourself with who is committed to helping you grow into the person God wants you to become? That leads to the final mark of becoming a good friend. Follows that naturally is that godly friends encourage us in our walk with Christ. I've touched on this already. We have all kinds of awesome spiritual practices that we can participate in and help us move towards Christ. But one other thing he's given us is each other. He's given us people to help us move along in our faith journey. God uses other followers to keep us on the path of faithfulness to him. This is why we believe here in doing life together. Life together is essential to living a godly life. That's why we get together every Sunday, right? We worship together. It's why we push you to be in some sort of small group where you can share your life with others. Let's read Proverbs 27, 17, probably the most familiar of all the Proverbs on our notes there. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. What another great picture. If I start rubbing shoulders up against somebody else whose desire is to become more like Jesus in their lives, we will start to sharpen each other more and more and more. Do you have that? I've noticed in my life it's pretty easy when I don't have other Christian friends surrounding me to lose my motivation for following Jesus. I'll be totally vulnerable with you. I've gone through two incredibly dark times in my life. And if it weren't for the gift of friendships that God surrounded me with, I don't know how I would have pulled out of it. So let me ask you, who's cheering you on? Who's cheering you on in your marriage right now, in the raising of your kids right now? Who's helping you to stand up for what is right at your school or at your workplace? Who's helping you stay pure? Every Christian needs someone to rub shoulders with if they hope to become who God wants them to become. Now, I, I'm just gonna say something. I don't wanna be controversial here. I'm just repeating what God's word says. What this means is that our best and closest friends should be other followers of Jesus. Amos 3.3 puts it this way in a rhetorical question. Can two walk together unless they're agreed? The answer, of course, is no. One will always affect the other. Paul wrote it this way. We know this verse. It's about marriage, right? No, it's about so much more. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with 
darkness. Now, I know we have some middle school, high school, college students in the room right now. I wish somebody had told me this as strongly as I'm telling you right now. The second most important decision you will ever make in your life other than following Jesus is who you surround yourself with as your friends. Why? Because the people you're walking the path with are going to influence you maybe more than anyone or anything else. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't have relationships with people who don't know Jesus? Absolutely, 100% not. We should. We should. We should love them. But here's the key. They're not going to have the same goals in life yet. We pray they will. But they're not going to have the same goals that we do as followers of Jesus yet. You need at least one friend who has the same goals as you, who you can sharpen and who can sharpen you. And listen, I know this can be another painful topic. Anytime we talk about any relationships, there can be some pain here. And so as we wrap this up, my final desire for you is that you would be able to find these kinds of friendships. But here is my challenge to you. If you do not have these, if you're following on your notes, if I want godly friends, I must take the initiative. You gotta reach out. You gotta become the kind of friend we just talked about. There is not a chance that one day some friends are gonna show up on your porch and say, here we are. Let's do life together. But too many people are passive in this. We need to be active. I need to start reaching out to other men and women who have the qualities we just talked about. Take a risk. It's as simple as, hey, would you wanna grab coffee? And see where it goes from there. If you want a friend like this, then you need to be the one who takes the initiative. This is so hard, but I'm pushing you. It's worth it. My freshman year in college, I was with a roommate who wanted nothing to do with me because all he wanted to do was with his girlfriend. I felt alone. I saw this other dorm. It was little sectional dorms, and I said, I wish I was in that dorm, and I threw a little pity party. And then I decided I need to take the initiative. So I reached out to one of the guys one night. I said, hey, you want to play some pool? We started playing pool. I'll be getting together with them next month. We do it every year. Lifetime time friendships. How did that happen? Because I waited. Because I took the initiative and reached out to him. Now listen, before we take communion together, I'm going to just remind you, again, if this is painful, if this is hard, if you don't know what to do or where to go, just remind you some good news of a friend that you already have. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a friend right now who's closer than a brother. Before heading to the cross, Jesus gathered his disciples and said these incredible words to them, John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. If this is a hard message for you, think of Jesus. He is always faithful. He is always trustworthy. He's willing to tell you the truth for your own sake, for your own good, and he has given you his very own spirit to encourage you in your journey with God. He's always looking out for your best interest. He's not in it for his own personal gain. He laid down his life for you after all. He's never been a fake friend. He's an authentic friend, a transparent friend. He's not quick to criticize. He's slow to anger. He's never annoying. He's thoughtful and gentle. And if you're following on your notes, as our friend, Jesus will never let us down. So whether you have these kind of friends or not today, I know this is gonna sound so corny, but you have a friend in Jesus and he will never let you down. 
As we have every week, we asked a member in our church family to close us in prayer. Here's Kristen Grimsley. Good morning, my name is Kristen Grimsley and it is an honor to be able to pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today to thank you for the amazing gift of friendship. We thank you that you have placed us in community so that we can support and love one another. Through friendship, we are given the beautiful opportunity to experience more of your love, grace, and mercy through each other and we are so grateful. Thank you for your example of true friendship. You have taught us that a friend will lay down his life for another. You demonstrated the ultimate love and friendship when you humbled yourself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death as an act of love for us. We confess today that we have often walked in selfishness, jealousy, comparison, and pride in our relationships. We so often struggle to put others before ourselves, yet you gave us a perfect example of friendship. We ask you today that you would equip each of us to be better friends to the people around us, that all would see your love shining through us. Give us humble hearts that first seek the best for those around us. Help us to love intentionally as you love, forgive as you forgive, and give of ourselves as you have given all of yourself for us. Fill us with your selfless love so that we can bless others. May this world know that we are your followers by the way we love each other. Heal any contention, bitterness, or strife that may exist in our church family and help us to represent you well on this earth. Give us the patience to show love even when it is hard or painful. We praise you for your perfect example and we thank you that in you we find a perfect and everlasting friend. We long for the day when we can be in full communion with you. We love you, God. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, amen.